You're listening to the Cornerstone Family Worship Center podcast. Making disciples, building community, and growing together in faith and love. about the best seat in the house. If you didn't hear that message, you want to go to the website and look it up and listen to, the, uh, listen to it on the website. The best seat in the house. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's the best seat in the house. Amen. Today I want to talk about my best friend. My best friend. Lord, we pray over this message today that every word of your truth that comes through, for, through it, Lord, will be imparted into our hearts. And everything of this old flesh body and of this flesh mind would just go in one ear and out the other. But Lord, let your word remain. Let your word change. Let your word challenge us. This morning we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My best friend. So today I want to speak to you about that, about my best friend. Amen. Now when I'm speaking in terms of flesh and blood, in other words, a person in an earthly bodily form, then my best friend is my dear wife, Mary, right there. If you haven't met her yet, meet her. She's a wonderful person. Amen. I enjoy being with her. She's my best earthly friend that I have. I enjoy being with my wife. We laugh together. I mean, we just yuck it up, man. <laughs> we, we laugh together. Those of you who have known us for any length of time know that that's, that's a true statement. Mary and I love to laugh. We laugh at each other. We laugh with each other. We laugh at you guys. <laughs> we like to laugh. We enjoy laughter, you know. As a matter of fact, we were shopping the other, the other night. I was getting my, uh, my uh, chili stuff uh, in, the, in the grocery store. And uh, I walked by, and I had her purse in the cart, and I walked by, and a couple of ladies were standing there, and they saw that purse, and they saw me walking with that purse, and then Mary comes up, she's a few feet behind me, and they said, is that your, and I don't know what brand name purse it was, but they, ident they, knew, it, they, they knew it was a nice purse. They said, is that your Gucci purse or whatever? <laughs> it wasn't that, I don't know. <laughs> and she says, yeah, and so she started, they're, they're talking back there. I'm shopping, I'm looking for my produce stuff, and pretty soon I hear three gals back there. <laughs> I said, there's my wife. I turn around, sure enough, there she is. And I just said to those, the three of them, I said, you gals just have a ball wherever you go, don't you? You just laugh and have a good time. But my wife and I do the same thing. We, we just love uh, to laugh together. We cry together, too. We try not to let you see that, but we do cry, and we cry together. Amen. We struggle with things of life together because we're best friends. 
We're best friends. Amen. And we fuss and we feud together too. We don't always agree. Now, I know that some of you think that we are so saintly that that's just not even possible. <laughs> but it's not true. And even when we're apart from each other, really, we are together. We're knit together in our hearts. And Now, having said all that, because we are only human, we do have our limitations. Amen? I cannot always be there for Mary as much as I would love to do that. There are times that she may need me to be right there, and I just can't be there because in this human body, it's impossible. We have limitations. You have limitations. Amen? Some of you remember the old song that James Taylor made famous back in 1971, and it was actually written by Carol King. You've got a friend. Remember that one? Come on. How many of you are old enough to remember that one? Come on, raise your hand. Don't be shy now. I want to just read to you those lyrics so that it will just... Jog your memory a little bit. When you're down and troubled and you need a helping hand and nothing, oh, nothing is going right, just close your eyes and think of me and soon I will be there to brighten up even your darkest night. You just call out my name and you know wherever I am, I'll come running. Oh, yeah, baby. To see you again. Winter, spring, summer, or fall, all you've got to do is call, and I'll be there. Yeah, 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 you've got a friend. If the sky above you should turn dark and full of clouds, and that old north wind should begin to blow, keep your head together and call out my name now. Soon I'll be knocking upon your door. You just call out my name, and you know, Wherever I am, I'll come running. Oh, yes, I will. To see you again. Winter, spring, summer, and fall. All you've got to do is call, and I'll be there. Oh, yes, I'll be there. Ain't it good to know that you've got a friend? When people can be so cold, they'll hurt you and desert you. Well, they'll take your soul if you let them. Oh, don't let them. You just call out my name. And you know wherever I am, I'll come running to see you again. Oh, baby, don't you know about winter, spring, summer, and fall? Hey, now all you got to do is call. Lord, I'll be there. Yes, I will. You've got a friend. You've got a friend. Very nice lyrics to the song. The only words that were missing in that song were these if at all possible. If at all possible. Because it's coming from a human heart that has limitations. You can't just close your eyes and I'll be there. I'm not God, amen? I'm not omnipresent. I can't just be there because you close your eyes and say my name, amen? Uh, so we have limitations. So that, those words were missing from that song. Uh, as much as I love my dear wife, I don't always know what Mary is thinking. I don't always feel what she's feeling. But let me tell you about my friend who is even closer to me than my dear wife. And his name is Jesus. And if he is not your closest friend today, 
up until this point in this moment in this service, it is my prayer that before you leave here, you will make him your best friend. Amen. I want us to go to a text this morning. Uh, we're going to turn to Matthew's Gospel, and we're going we're to look at a few words there. And we're going to focus in on the last 13 words that are recorded there in Matthew's Gospel, at least according to the King James. I don't know what other versions you may have. It might end up being eight words or, or 15 words. I don't know. But in the King James, there's 13 last words that he spoke. And in Matthew chapter 28, it's, we refer to that as the great commission of our Lord and Savior, where he told the disciples to go out and to continue to preach the good news to everyone. So I'm going to back up just a little bit just to get it in context, and then we're going to focus in on those last three, 13 words. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, here the 13 words are, I am with you always, or always, even unto the end of the world, Amen. And amen means it is so. As I have said it, it is, it's the truth. Amen. And so there are two very important things in those last 13 words that he spoke there according to Matthew's Gospel. Number one is this. This world, as we know it, will come to an end one day. This age will come to an end one day. Jesus is making that very clear when he says, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So that tells us right there that the, this world is going to end as we know it. Amen. And the word of God is replete with warnings concerning this truth. So that everyone who stands before God one day will be without excuse. He's let us know through Old Testament prophecies and Old Testament prophets. He himself, Jesus, as he walked this earth, spoke words to that effect, warning people, there will come that day, and we will all stand before God. And then the apostles after him took that same message, and as he said there, whatever I have taught you, you go and teach the rest of the world, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Make disciples of everyone that you meet along the way. So we know that there are many, many scriptures that warn of those last days, the last days, the latter times, different phrases that are used. And one of those warnings that I keep my eye on often is found in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And the reason why I refer to this a lot is because it so much describes the very condition of the world that we're living in right now. Some people can look at these verses and look at these words that we're going to look at right now and say, well, it's always been so. It's always been like this. But the intensity that we are seeing today should be an indicator to us that we are moving towards that day that Jesus calls the last days. And, and that shouldn't scare us if, we, if he's our best friend, church. That shouldn't scare us a bit. Amen. 
We just know a little bit ahead of time that it's coming down the pike. Amen. So look at that, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Dangerous times, destructive times, times, uh, you know, fierce times. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Think of each of these statements in line with our society today and what we're seeing today. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. There are some that are looking religious today. There are some that are sounding religious today. There are some that are uh, trying to appear to uh, be godly today. But he says, having that appearance in the form of godliness, but they really deny the power of God. He says, turn away from that kind of thinking. Get away from that. So this is one of the passages that, that, like I said, there are so many of them in the Scriptures, but this is one of them that I'll tell you, you can read that day by day and look at what's going on in the world today. Just common sense. You don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to be a, a theologian or a scholar, Bible scholar at all, to look around and something in your gut says, that ain't right. <laughs> Come on. You just look at it and you, you say, that ain't right. Nature tells you that, that what God put inside of you as a natural human being tells you that. Amen. There are certain things you look around and, you know, today when you stepped off your porch and you started to head out to church today, there were certain things that said, hold on to your head. <laughs> Amen. Come on, man, you, you can't miss it. That wind was blowing so fierce that you said, oh, man, watch it. Mary was coming in the glass door over there, and we're, we're bringing in the chili and the dessert. And uh, she's, she put the key in the door to open it up for me. And as, as she did, I said, watch that door, because the wind's coming out of the west. I said, watch that door. And as I said it, man, she had to grab onto it with both hands. So that's, a, you know, it's just a common indicator that, you know, whoa, there's wind coming, you know. Uh, hold on to the door. Well, same thing. We could look at these signs and say, hmm, something's happening in the world and we need to prepare. So this passage alone is an indicator of those days that we're living in. But my focus is not so much on all the prophetic warnings that the Bible speaks of concerning the last days, but on the other truth that we find in our text this morning. Those 13 words. The other thing is the Lord's promise. The Lord's promise to us, I will always be with you. Whoa! Or another way, I will surely be with you always. Amen. I will never, you will never be out of my sight. You will never be out of my reach, God says. There is no trial. There is no difficulty. There is no situation. Come on, everybody. No situation. No situation. 
that you will ever be in that I will not be right there with you. That's, that's his promise to me. I'm banking on I'm taking that all the way to the bank, baby. So it doesn't matter what this world is going and what's going on in this world around me. All the world around us can be shaken, but this one thing will never be shaken. Christ is our rock, and it's on him that we stand. Hallelujah. Let the world go topsy-turvy. Let the, let the economy go down. God's economy for his children is not going anywhere. Hallelujah. He's still going to provide for you. He's still going to take care of you. Amen. We can't get out of his sight. That's what Jesus was saying here. That's the promise, folks. So yeah, we can look at all of the, all of the events and say, oh, we're coming in the last days and people have set dates for the last 2,000 years exactly when he's going to come. I just know this. Then when he comes... I'm going to be ready. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow. But when he comes, I'm going to be ready. Amen. I hope that you will be as well. Amen. Someone said good friends are hired to find. Harder to leave. And impossible to forget. If you've ever known Christ as your best friend, you'll never, ever, be able to forget that. Oh, you can turn your back on him and walk away from him if you so desire. But you'll never, ever be able to forget him. Did you hear what I said? You can't forget him. And so that statement, I don't know who said it, but it, it is true. Good friends are hard to find, they're harder to leave, and they're impossible to forget. Amen. Here are a couple of other quotes about friendship. One of them taken right from the Proverbs. Proverbs 18, 24. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. If you'd like to have friends, you got to be a friend. If you like it when people are kind to you, it would be wise for you to be kind to people. Mean, old, cantankerous people don't have too many people being kind to them. Come on. I mean, even when they try, that mean old person goes, <laughs> Boy, you look nice today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I noticed you got a new car. No, it's three years old. <laughs> you know, I mean, they have nothing good to say. And so if you, if you want friends, then you need to show yourself friendly. You need to reach out to other people. Amen. Because there will be times when you'll need for someone to reach out to you. But then the last part of that verse says this. And I'll just read it again in its context. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Hey, that's my friend. That's who I'm talking about this morning. That's my friend Jesus. Oh, I love you, Mary. But we, we, have, we know we both... We're not offended by this at all. She loves the Lord Jesus Christ more than she loves me. And I wouldn't have it any other way. I'd have never married her if she didn't have that settled. And she wouldn't have married me. See, some people, when they don't know the Lord, and they marry, and then one comes to know the Lord, sometimes it can cause a little bit of friction and a little bit of problems there. Because that other person all of a sudden sees them as loving an object other than them, a person other than them, somebody outside of them. And all kinds of things can go on in that head at that point in time. Amen? 
There's a friend that sticks closer to us than a brother. Amen. Someone said this. Friendship is when people know all about you, but like you anyway. And so it is with Christ. He knows all about you, and he still, I'm going to change the word from like to loves. He knows all about you, and still, he loves you. Oh, my, 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 my. I think that could be a sermon right there. Think about where you've been in your life. Think about the mistakes that you've made. Think about the sinful things that you've done in your life. Think about the rebellion that you have uh, uh, performed against him. The, the ignoring of his word. Going your own way. Doing your own thing. Following the lusts of your flesh. All of those things. He knows everything about you. Yet he still loves you. Loved you then when you were doing all that stuff. Loves you now. Amen. So there's another true statement. Friendship is when someone knows all about you, but they like you anyway. Friendship is the Lord God Almighty who knows everything about you and loves you still. Amen. Walter Winshield said, A friend is one who walks in when the rest of the world walks out. Oh, come on, church. Isn't that the truth? Everybody around you can just abandon you and run from you and hide from you and leave you. But that one who is really a friend is the one who steps right in right at that time and is there for you. Amen. Some people who have come to Christ have lost every so-called friend they ever had. This may be your testimony today, some of you who are sitting here. Amen. Because all of a sudden, they didn't want to drink or smoke or cuss or do the things that they used to do with them. In their eyes, they became dull and boring. Not much fun to be around anymore. I know back when I was living in sin and as the Lord got a hold of my heart, I was dealing drugs back then and I went down my whole list of my clientele, calling them up on the phone and saying, hey, I got saved. Jesus is my Lord. I won't be dealing drugs anymore. Don't call me anymore for drugs. Click. <laughs> Click. My, one of my best friends from Vietnam uh, I called him up and was telling him this. And he said, I'm going, to, I'm going down to Florida. I'm going to go deal drugs down to Florida. I'm going to go get in some cocaine action down there. I said, Buck, that's not where it's at. I said, I've been doing that for the last couple of years since I've been home from Vietnam. That's not the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. And you know what he said to me? Click. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't take long for every so-called friend that you have to just up and abandon you when you decide to follow Christ. I know there's a lot of cushy preaching today that says, come and follow Jesus and everything in your life is going to be rosy. I'm telling you today, come and follow Jesus and the rest of your life might fall apart as far as your friends are concerned, as far as your family is concerned, but he will never leave you. He will always be there for you. He'll be there in every situation for you. That's why he's my best friend. <laughs> That's why he's my best friend. Hallelujah. I actually have a cousin whose wife divorced him. He was strung out in drugs and alcohol, did time in jail and everything else. But he came away from all of that stuff. And his wife divorced him and she said, you were more fun when you were a drunk. How in the world can you ever even think of those words coming out of someone's mouth? One more quote. A friend in need is a friend indeed. 
That's a familiar one. Amen? At your point of need, kind of like what Winshaw was saying, that when everybody else is abandoning you and you're at that point of need, someone comes to be a friend to you. A friend in that kind of a need is a friend indeed. Amen. An Army Corporal Desmond Doss was such a man. How many of you saw the movie uh, Hacksaw Ridge? A couple of you? you got to see that movie. Get it on DVD, take it home, and watch that movie. It's the life story of Desmond Doss, who was uh, credited for saving over 50 men 50 men's lives in World War II, single-handedly. They were taking a beating. Our guys were taking a beating. The army was taking a beating. And guys were getting wounded and, and bombs and mortars and everything else was going off around and they were being wounded one after another. This guy came into the army as a conscientious objector. He didn't want to pick up a gun for basic training. He said, I, I, I don't believe in that. Well, what are you going to do if you get out on the field with the enemy? you got to have something in your hand to kill him. He says, I, I don't believe in that. I'm not going to do that. But he volunteered to go into the army. See, I met a lot of conscientious objectors, quote unquote, along the way. But all they were doing was trying to get out of the army. You know that's true, right, Ed? Amen. But this man was a true conscientious objector. But he volunteered to go in the army. He said, surely there's something around here I can do. Well, they made him a medic. And he never carried a gun. And in that barrage that they were going through, he was going and grabbing his men one at a time and pulling them to safety. In basic training and all through those things, when he was letting people know where he stood spiritually, they mocked him. They made fun of him. Uh, they may have even beat him up. I don't remember every little detail in the story, but he went through some really hard times by making that stance. But during that time, in a time of need, he was a friend indeed. And those guys, for all of their years later that they lived on this earth, remembered Desmond Doss. He dragged me to safety. I wouldn't be alive today were it not for him. Amen. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. It's a scarce occasion. It doesn't happen very frequently. It's a scarcity that a person would be willing to give their life for someone who is righteous and, and good. And I mean, there are people who are, who are generals in armies and soldiers said, wherever he would lead us, I would go in a minute. I'll fight alongside of that man because he was a great leader and a righteous person and a good person. But it says, scarcely would someone die for someone like that. Not everybody would just jump up and give their lives or risk their lives for someone like that. But then the verse goes on and says, yet peradventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. In other words, it's a scarce thing that somebody would die for someone who's really a good, righteous person. But then it's even rarer still that someone would give their life for just a common Good, decent man. And that's what Doss did. Just for his common soldiers, his comrades in arms, picked them up and swooped them. Then, in verse 8, 
I'll read it again in the entire context because it's, it's so good. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare die. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, hallelujah. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. People say, well, how did Christ die for me 2,000 years ago? I wasn't even born. How, how does that even... Listen, the entire human race is under sin and bondage. Amen. And we needed a Savior. And Christ, even though the world was totally against Him, were enemies of God, at that very time, and in that condition, He died for our sins. <laughs> That's awesome. That, we should get a lot of hallelujahs right there. Amen. Come on. <laughs> we should get a lot of amens. Because that's me. And that's you. Say, well, I'm a good person. I've gone to church all my life. Listen, this is not about how long you've been attending church. But I sang in the choir. It's not about your voice. Oh, I gave money to the church consistently. I was very faithful. It's not about your tithing and your offerings. It's about who's the best friend in your life. Who's your best friend? John 15, 13 through 14 says this, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, Jesus said. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Abraham is called a friend of God in the Scriptures. You know why? Because he did what God told him to do. Amen. A friend of God because he did what God told him to do. One of the funniest stories in, in the Scriptures. Abraham's 100 years old. Sarah is 90 years old. With a barren womb at that point in time. And God says, about this time next year, you're going to have a child. <laughs> she's, in the, she's in the tent laughing at that news. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Abraham laughs, but something clicked along the way. And I'm not going to get too graphic here, but it wasn't one of those miraculous births like Jesus' was. Right? But Abraham believed what God said and through faith went to work at it. And he said, the Lord said, you'll name him Isaac. And the, word, the name Isaac means laughter. He said, because everyone who hears this story is going to laugh. <laughs> you don't think God's got a sense of humor? You don't think God's looking down here at us and saying, hmm, I wonder how I'm going to get through this bunch. I think I'm going to do this one right here. And they will laugh at this all the way over Chile one day. Amen. There's no greater love that a person can have than to lay his life down for his friend. He says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you to do. John 3.16 one of the favorite verses of, our, of Scripture, there are many people who know the Lord Jesus and know the Word. For God so loved the world. God so loved the world. What's the answer to the problems we're having and we're facing today in this world? 
Jesus. Jesus is still the answer. What in the world can heal the racial divide and the racial tension in this world right now? Who can do that? Only Jesus. Because He will make all of us to know that there is only one race. It's the human race. It's the human race. And we all bleed the same blood. And we all sin the same sins. And we all need the same deliverer. And we all need the same Savior. And we all need to be healed. And we all need to be forgiven. And we all need deliverance of some form or another in our lives. Amen. And then He brings us together and we are one. Oh, the Jews were their own kind of a people and the Gentiles were another kind of people. But in Jesus Christ, He brings them all together and they are one. Hallelujah. It's Christ who can change that life. That's why He has become my best friend. That's why I can stay, stay here unequivocally with no, with no uh, conditions to it, uh, with no apologies about it. Jesus Christ is my Lord, my Savior, and He is my best friend. Amen. There's nobody in an earthly tabernacle that I could ever love more than her, but God is above her. He is transcendent. He is high and lifted up. He is holy. He is pure. He is good. He is just. He is righteous. And He is the only door to get to God the Father. That's what He said. I am the door. He's the only truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father unless He comes by me. There's another scripture that lets us know that no man can just jump up and come to Jesus whenever he decides that he wants to come to Him. you got to come when the Holy Spirit of God is drawn on your heart and tugging on your heart. You respond to the Spirit of the living God. When God sa says to your heart, hey, this is you, I'm speaking to you right now. You've been in church all of your life, but you cannot say, you cannot stand up right now in this group of people and say, Jesus Christ is my best friend. If you can't say that, you don't know Him yet. All you know is religion. All, you don't have that relationship yet. And that's what God wants to bring you into. I, I was just sharing this morning in our prayer, in our prayer room with uh, uh, Dennis and Mary that when I attended church, I, I came for a couple of services and it seemed like the preacher was preaching right at me. You ever been in a service like that? I said, man, that dude's reading my mail. <laughs> he knows everything about me. Everything that was coming out of his mouth just seemed to be, just, man, he was picking on me. And I'm thinking, my friend Larry, who invited me to this church, went and told that preacher everything that I'm doing, and now he's getting in my case from the pulpit. <laughs> that's the way it felt. Amen. But it, that's not true. It's, it was the wooing of the Holy Spirit tugging at my heart and saying, you need to get your heart right with me. And after attending a couple of those services, I thought, boy, these people are joyful. They clap their hands. They sing with exuberance. Man, what a great group of people to be around. And I was just thinking for a little while, maybe this is going to rub off on me if I kind of hang out with these guys. <laughs> Guess what? There are people who have been hanging out in churches for years thinking the same thing, and it ain't rubbing off on them. Right. It's got to get down inside of you. It's got to become a part of you. And until that happens, it just doesn't click. Amen. 
God's my, my best friend. Christ is my best friend. The Holy Spirit is my best friend. You ever get up in the morning and just say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Yeah. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I will never, ever, ever, ever leave you. I will never forsake you. Amen. I said that uh, Jesus will change a person's heart. Amen. I, I didn't really have any problems in the area of race when I was growing up. My family wasn't like that. Uh, and when I was in the military, I shot craps with my black brothers. Not brothers in Christ, obviously, but my military friends. I shot craps. I rolled the dice. Uh, I, I uh, played cards. Man, I gambled. I, I would bet you how far you could spit. I mean, that was a part of my life. And these guys were my friends. Amen. But something happened even greater than that. I stood up in parties back when I was getting high, and people said, well, what do you want out of life? I said, I'll tell you what I want. I'm higher than a kite, but I'm just preaching to them. I'll tell you what I want. I want people with long hair and people with short hair to be able to get along together. I want white people and black people to be able to get along together. You know, and I'm just going through this whole little litany. Everybody's looking at me like I cracked. And it, you know what? It just got worse after I got saved. Yeah. <laughs> it got better. You're right, Mary. It got better. It got worse for them. Amen. But, but the Lord does. He actually changed their hearts. Some of you who've been a part of this church, you heard this little story before. I was working in Plymouth uh, on a construction job on Penniman Street. This lady who was uh, a mother of one of the guys who attended this church had this four-family flat thing that she was renovating I wasn't a construction worker. I didn't know anything about construction. But we were gophers. We were there helping the other guys who were construction guys. Two of them. And they were both atheists and ungodly guys. And me and Walt would witness to them and talk to them about Jesus all day long. Just bug them to death. <laughs> they probably hit their thumbs with a hammer more times than once. <laughs> oh, man, I wish these guys would shut up, you know. And we're out in the front of the building doing some work on the front of the building. And here comes three cadets. They were attending some kind of a school there for, uh, you know, police uh, department or whatever. I don't know, going to school. Three cadets. And they're walking down the sidewalk. And it's two white guys and a black guy. Walking down the, down the sidewalk. And Walt and I just looked up and said, praise the Lord, guys. How you doing? We just went back to work. They got about three squares down the sidewalk. The black guy turned around and comes back and says, what did you say? I said, praise the Lord. He said, that's what I thought you said, brother. Boom. <laughs> he grabs me. We're hugging out there on the sidewalk, jumping up and down, rejoicing in the Lord. And uh, after a couple of minutes of that, talking to each other, sharing with each other, he leaves, goes with his friends, walks out. And then these two atheists are there, and they go, is that one of the guys that attends your church? I go, no. He said, well, where's he from? I said, I don't know. He says, you don't know him? I said, no. And you're out there hugging this guy you don't even know? You know, you know. It's like you guys were best friends. You hadn't seen each other in years. I said, we got the same spirit of the living God that lives inside of us that makes us brothers. Makes us brothers. And what we've been telling you all week long and for the last couple of weeks, you haven't been getting it, but just a good picture and an illustration ought to help you to get it and to see it. God so loved the world, all the world, this world of sinners, this world of rebels. Amen. 
And sometimes we even struggle as Christians after we've given our lives to Christ. Because as Rachel was saying that this morning when we sang that song, fears will attack you. Different things will attack you. Different things will come upon you. And pretty soon, you know, you're struggling with doubts and fears and things that are coming against your mind. And you're wondering if anything will ever be different than what it is right now. And blah, 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 blah. See, we're human beings. We're people. We deal with those same things. But we can always hear his voice saying, I'm never going to leave you. I'm right here with you. I'm going through this thing with you today. Amen. And so we have that promise. We have that promise. God, he, he loved the world. He loved you. He loved you in your sinful condition. And so we struggle as Christians sometimes wondering, hmm, wonder if he still loves me the way, the way he loved me back when I was living in sin and, and defying his word and doing all of those things. If he loved me back then, how much more can I have faith and confidence in the fact that He loves me today when I'm tripping and stumbling and moving forward in the Lord as best I know how to do? He loves me! He's never going to leave me! That's why He's my best friend. I hope and I pray that He is your best friend today. And if He's not your best friend today, as I said earlier in the service, it is my prayer that before you walk out of that door today, you will make Jesus Christ your Savior and your Lord. And if you'll do that, He will be your very best friend. Guaranteed. That's what He said in His Word. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. That was a warning this age will come to an end. But the promise is, I will be with you all the way through it. You don't have to fear. You don't have to be afraid of what's going on around you when Christ is your best friend.